Hello, and welcome to the Eastern Association for the Surgery of Trauma, TraumaCast series. I'm your host, Dr. Levi Proctor, Assistant Professor of Surgery at the University of Kentucky. Joining us today is Dr. Richard Frizee, Chief of Acute Care Surgery at the Scott & White Clinic in Texas. Dr. Frizee recently authored an article titled, A Prospective Treatment Protocol for Outpatient Laparoscopic Appendectomy for Acute Appendicitis. It was recently published in the Journal of the American College of Surgeons, Volume 215, pages 101 to 106. Today, we will be discussing the article and the evolving role of outpatient appendectomy. Welcome, Dr. Frizee. Thank you. So to start, what were some of the observations in your clinical practice that led to this study? It was actually a personal experience that uh, spawned the idea for this. About four years ago, my son called me from his college town stating he was in the hospital emergency department with appendicitis. Uh, I told him, go ahead and have the surgery, and his mother and I would drive down and join him and see him after the operation. When we arrived to his ho uh, hospital room, it looked more like a fraternity party than it did a place of convalescence because he was surrounded by his fraternity brothers and not uh, a small number of sorority sisters. And uh, it was obvious he'd made it through the, the surgery quite well. As visiting hours came to a close, we uh, bid him good night and told him we'd ba be back to pick him up the next day. And when we came the next day, I asked him how things went, and his comment was, I wish I'd gone home with you and Mom last night. So that uh, spurred the concept of an outpatient appendectomy, which is not something that at that point was part of my practice. Uh, from there, I decided we needed to evaluate this as a possible change in our practice, and we went about doing a, a uh, retrospective review of our current practice at that time. And uh, we did a nine-month review of our patients who had laparoscopic appendectomy for uncomplicated appendicitis, so no perforations, no uh, appendiceal necrosis. And we found that at that point, about 35% of our patients were being performed as an outpatient. And we questioned whether or not we couldn't increase that number if we had a standardized protocol. Uh, in that uh, retrospective review, we found that about 65% of patients were hospitalized for one day, and there really didn't seem to be a good medical indication for their, their hospitalization. And with initiation of the protocol, could we increase that? And that was the basis of the JAX study. So we adopted this protocol in 2010 and analyzed our patients after, again, roughly nine months of uh, experience and compared those to our historical controls. And we found that the patients that had previously been hospitalized for one day postoperative were shifted into outpatient therapy, and it went from a uh, rate of 35% to 85%, so that was statistically significant. And with that, there was no increase in morbidity, so the results were quite good. Can you briefly summarize your article and its findings? The article outlines the uh, steps that we took for the outpatient protocol, and in many ways it's similar to the criteria for dismissal that are used for other outpatient laparoscopic operations. So much as laparoscopic cholecystectomy is routinely done on an outpatient basis today, we adopted those same principles to laparoscopic appendectomy. Since it is done as an emergency operation, we perform the operation at all times during the day. And one of the differences is it does not give us the opportunity to establish that rapport with the patient that you would see in your preoperative visits. So there is additional work that's done in educating the patients, setting expectations, and arranging for appropriate follow-up before the operation even begins. That way, when the operation is successfully completed, then the patient has the anticipation they're going home that day and arrangements have already been made. I noticed in your protocol that you have a, uh, an instruction sheet uh, that you provide a discharge. What types of uh, questions or comments do you include on this sheet uh, for these patients? 
It includes things like wound care, activity precautions, diet, uh, instructions on pain medication, things of that nature, but probably most importantly, it includes contact numbers. So we don't want our patients to leave the hospital thinking that uh, they're done with us and that they don't have access to physician help if needed. And these uh, contact numbers are ways that it gives them a sense of peace that if something were to arise, they would have immediate access to a physician's input. During this, these operations, some people, some surgeons will place Foley catheters and some will not. Uh, we all know that the placement of a Foley catheter can sometimes cause uh, urinary retention postoperatively. Is this something that in your practice or your group's practice that you do or do not do, or is it a selective basis? And if you did place them, did you have any uh, patients that had the morbidity associated with urinary retention? Uh, I recognize there's differences of opinion on this particular practice, but our practice is to use them routinely. So every patient had a Foley catheter placed. And since this is, for the most part, a young uh, patient population, problems with urinary retention really did not pan out in our series. As with most hospitals, including our own, we have a major problem with throughput throughout the hospital with all of our patients. When these patients went to the recovery room, were there any problems with delay in recovery that delayed their discharge that caused any throughput issues for your hospital? Uh, they really didn't. Again, we adopted the same criteria that we do for other outpatient laparoscopic operations, and this allowed us to uh, objectively evaluate the patients, uh, make certain that they were tolerating oral intake, make certain that they could void, be sure that they were comfortable on oral pain medicine before dismissal. Uh, there was a wide range of time that took from the end of the operation to dismissal, but the average time was just under three hours. So these patients generally recovered very quickly. I think that was primarily a function of a fairly expeditious operation, and so the anesthetic time was short. The uh, choice of anesthetic was geared towards outpatient management, so there were no long-acting paralytics, and it allowed for a quick recovery in the recovery room. Did all of your patients have preoperative Im imaging, such as CT, ultrasound, or MRI? And if so, were there any patients that were excluded from this study based upon your imaging findings, such as periappendiceal phlegmon or perforation? Yes, everyone had a CT scan uh, that uh, has really become the standard practice, and these patients are evaluated by our emergency department physicians before we're consulted, and they routinely obtain a CT scan. In uh, the patients who have a well-defined abscess, it's our practice to not perform surgery in that group, and we usually do a percutaneous drainage of a well-defined abscess and defer surgery to a, an interval appendectomy. So that would be one group that would be eliminated. Other patients that have perforation with uh, free fluid, we would include in operative management, and we would put them in the protocol, but the protocol would allow for uh, admission in the event that we find perforation at the time of the, uh, the uh, surgery. And so the final decision regarding outpatient management was based on the intraoperative findings. Were there any other groups of patients, aside from imaging findings uh, and or intraoperative findings, that you would not have included or would not apply this protocol to? Our only exclusions were pregnant females and age less than 17. The age restriction was because our pediatric surgeons operate on that group of, of uh, patients. And... They haven't uh, seen the light yet and adopted our practice. <clears throat> I'm hoping that they will come to adopt this, as many institutions, I believe, will in the future. Otherwise, the uh, full spectrum of patients was included in the protocol. However, the protocol allows for admission, and there are times when admission is appropriate. Uh, you can always, almost always predict which patient is going to need an admission on a medical basis. So when you have the patient that comes in with heart disease, does on home oxygen, and uh, has a long list of comorbidities, you can pretty much anticipate they're not going to be managed as an outpatient. And 
be ready to make preparations for a, an inpatient stay. During the remainder of your study and the data analysis, were there other things that you uh, that were not picked up in the retrospective uh, review that you did find that, that you're going to make changes in your current protocol? Uh, the biggest change that we're going to make is we found that the post-operative check that's done at two weeks, many patients are doing so well, they kind of have the philosophy, why did I have to come today? I had to take off a day of work. Is there a way we could eliminate that? And so we've actually added that as an option now to where patients are given a set appointment time and can come for that. But if they're doing well and don't need to be seen, they have the option of calling and relaying that to us over the phone. We can make arrangements for their work release to be sent by fax. And this can be handled by phone rather than an uh, actual patient encounter. During your study, did you have any complaints or how were the patient satisfactions viewed uh, from, from your standpoint? This is actually an important question that we have not addressed completely in our current study. We have a current study ongoing that's going to look at that in more detail. I've had surgeons approach me and ask, isn't it uh, going to be a patient dissatisfaction to send them home the day of their operation? And I'd like to first set aside the concept that sleeping in an unfamiliar bed, getting hospital food, and having no sleep increases patient satisfaction. Uh, in reality, I think if we analyze this, outpatient management will lead to a much higher degree of satisfaction. I will share some of the interim results from our ongoing study. Uh, we've done analysis on 27 patients from the last year, and the two key questions we've asked are their level of satisfaction on a 0 to 5 scale, where 0 is very poor and 5 is the best, and the average satisfaction score was 4.3. The other question we asked is, if in, in retrospect you had the opportunity to stay in the hospital, would you have stayed? We had three patients who stated that they would have stayed. One described having a difficult time waking up from the anesthetic. A second had difficulty obtaining a ride home, which clearly was a problem that we didn't follow through on our protocol, since that is a, a criteria for admission. And the third was a young woman who stated that she went home to three young children, and the next day her husband stated he had to go to work and could not help her out. So she was left taking care of the three young kids. As it turns out, that uh, young couple was the... Uh, wife of one of our surgery residents, and that's probably why he ended up having to come back to work because he didn't want to miss any work. Uh, I guess duty hour restrictions don't apply to convalescents for spouses. As the continued pressure to lower cost increases, we need to continue considering the need for hospitalization following many procedures that have historically been performed in the inpatient setting. Acute appendicitis may be one such case. I would like to thank Dr. Frizee for taking the time to discuss these issues with us. This concludes another edition of the East TraumaCast. For copyright information and disclaimers, please visit us at east.org. For the Eastern Association for the Surgery of Trauma, I'm Dr. Levi Proctor.